Hello, everyone. Before we begin, Clyde and I wanted to thank all of our amazing listeners. As art teachers, we know how hard it is to find relevant professional development in our schools. It can feel isolating, and having to deal with COVID-19 has made it even harder. I personally was amazed at how the TAB community stepped up to help fellow art teachers get through this unprecedented time. We make this podcast as an extension of the passion we have for teaching for artistic behavior, giving students voice and agency in our studios. We are grateful for your time. Thank you. Welcome to the Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast. My name is Clark Freilich. And I'm Clyde Gaw. Today, I thought we could talk about a topic that is hard to pinpoint, but important just the same. There are many teachers in TAB that get into TAB and after a while wonder, am I TAB enough? What does it mean to be TAB enough? Today, we are joined by Ronnie Rohr all the way from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Her pronouns are she, her, and hers. Ronnie at El Dorado Community School in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's a K-8 school. She serves as the Santa Fe Public Schools Visual Arts Mentor and is a faculty member of the TAB Institute in Mass Art, advocating for student voice. Ronnie is a designer and an artist and is passionate about collaboration, social justice, and advocacy within her own work and that of her students. As an educational consultant, she collaborates on professional development for the New Mexico Museums, Meow Wolf, and others. Ronnie presents locally and nationally on topics of TAB, choice-based and play education, design thinking, and creating community. She was the 2020 keynote speaker for Colorado TAB Conference. Ronnie is nationally board certified in early and middle school art, a 2016 New Mexico Golden Apple Fellow, and 2015 New Mexico Middle School Art Educator of the Year, and the 2011 New Mexico Art Educator of the Year. Wow, Ronnie. <laughs> Welcome. When, when we talked to you about coming on the show, one of the topics you mentioned was, am I tab enough? Which is an interesting question because it encompasses many different facets of understanding tab. Does the question lie just in one's abilities as a tab teacher, a teacher in general, or even deeper? Maybe it comes from a general unhappiness of product or cognitive dissonance. I know I've asked myself this question many times, and it typically involves a reflection or comparison to other tab teachers. What do you think? What does it mean to be tab enough? Thank you so much, Clark and Clyde, for having me. Um, this question, for the past 16 years has come up in my own teaching and then being out at you know the institute teaching at the institute so many middle school teachers were asking me this question and then the more that i uh, mentor other teachers and the more that i talk to new and old teachers who uh, reflect on their work it constantly comes up 
Am I teaching for artistic behavior enough? Am I doing this enough? And I start to think about that question. And I think it could be a, quite a dangerous question. And uh, that's why I wanted to talk about it today. It's a very good question, Ronnie. We're, Clark and I are thrilled that you're here with us. Um, you are a tour de force wherever you go and uh, <laughs> uh, wherever you're presenting or working with other teachers. And you have lucky, lucky students. But we're, Clark and I are very happy that you're with us today. I'm, well, I'm thrilled. You know how thrilled I am. And uh, I thought that maybe I could share a quote that I shared at the Colorado conference that actually got me deeper into this question. So might I share a quote? Diane, this is a quote of Diane Jackwitz on defining TAB. A teacher can offer a modified choice program, but there is no such thing as modified TAB. And here is why. TAB is a philosophy, a way of approaching your art program in which every decision made is with the intent of developing artistic behaviors and moving in the direction of full student independence. So when I think about this, I am meeting teachers, brand new teachers who've never heard of TAB and experienced teachers who are in the thick of it all. And I want everyone to take a deep breath because if you are teaching with the idea of bringing forth student independence, you yourself are on the right track. And I wanna shout out to all these newbies that yeah, you're on the right path. This is it. We're sharing this. It's, it's, not, a it's not a perfect road either. Right. I've been teaching artistic behavior for 18 years and I still run into this question whenever I'm developing curriculum to make sure we always keep going back to the, the three main ideas in TAB. The child is the artist. The room is the studio. And the question of, you know, what do artists do? And, and leaving those open. And so, as Catherine Douglas once said, speaking of quotes, you know, if I have an idea of what something's going to look like before it's finished, I'm probably too much in the process. Because if I'm creating curriculum and I have a specific thing that I'm wanting kids to produce and I have an idea what that looks like, then I need to rethink about that because... Yeah, well, you're talking about student agency, Clark. You know, I think you're talking that freedom of choice is so critical. But for a teacher who knows what the outcome is going to look like, they should start thinking about, you know, the design process. All of a sudden, they're, they're teaching in a different way. And that's all right to teach design thinking or to teach integration. To use these things in your toolbox for student agency, to teach someone to a skill that they can use later on for all-out, you know, freedom and student voice, I guess what I'm saying is teachers should know where they're teaching from. They should take a step back when they see that outcome and recognize, what am I doing here? When, what am I trying to teach? And just recognize it. And I think that would go a long way in helping them become teachers of artistic behavior. Just recognizing where they're at. I think 
Ronnie, you, you hit on so many wonderful points. I just want to jump in here also and say that part of teaching for artistic behavior is, to, is thinking about the uh, diversity of uh, cognitive situations, uh, children uh, that exist in the classroom. So if, when we're teaching for artistic behavior, we're looking at children as individuals who can bring ideas to the table. And then it's upon us as TAB teachers to, and I'll go back to what Kathy Douglas said. Uh, one of her best quotes, I think, is, you know, what is the least amount of information you can provide a child to get them on their own independent pathway? And some children, they don't need a lot of support. Other children need a great deal of support. So your tab teachers are kind of like orchestra maestros, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're working the, all the musicians, some of the musicians are, are doing a lot of, of work in the, in, in the uh, curriculum composition and uh, the maestro is working with all of them. I don't know if that's a very good analogy or not, but. I wanna say that the sound is really loud because, <laughs> <laughs> because you know, when you get that orchestra together, you know, or that chorus together, the voices are different. When you're teaching collaboratively, that's a whole nother thing as well. But I know what you're saying, Clyde, you know, it's like that you want to lean out rather than lean in and front load them with all your ideas because yeah. that's not really where it's at. They come in with so many ideas, you know, the little boy that has found a piece of string and a blue cord and has brought it to class and is like, what can I make with this is so exciting. And then he leaves with a ship, you know, like <laughs> something that never would dawn on me, you know, his blue string and, and, and ribbon have become this construction that 30 minutes before never existed. That's really where I'm leaning into. I want to see more of that. And I want to be like the uh, assistant to the surgeon and have the child, hey, Miss Rohr, do you have a box? Hey, I, I don't have the tape. You know, I may have it all set out and hopefully they know where they can find everything. But I want to be that person that can find that really unusual object that that child just came up with to create with. And you, you just described emergent, emergent creativity and an emergent curriculum uh, and democratic education. Uh, you, you think about democratic education, the child has an idea, the teacher is there to uh, help the idea become realized and together they come up with, like you said, the boy brought a, uh, some string and, and his other materials to classroom and he came in with string and cord and a rope and he left with a, a ship and you right. know the there was that the third outcome a meeting of the minds and that's emergence you start with an idea and something emerges from it right and, uh, something totally unique as opposed to predetermined outcomes you know back to nan hathaway she wrote a wonderful article called smoke and mirrors and you know we were ta just talking about teacher engineered projects the problem with those projects in my book is that they mute the, all of the discovery processes that uh, all the mental processes that go into scientific thinking and that go into uh, 
research and uh, surprise and all the lovely parts of uh, inquiry-based learning experience, which is what art, art, artists do and artists experience. You know, we're in an unusual time with this remote learning, and I'm doing a remote summer art camp right now. I'm in the thick oh. of it. Oh. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a wild ride. Um, I put together slideshows all the time. Many of us put together slideshows, and I call it idea bombing, um, <laughs> where you throw out ideas, you know, and you see what is going to hook a student, you know, what they might think is exciting to delve into. And it's a lot about play. It's a lot about joy. It, I know that if I'm not having fun, my students aren't having fun. And so here I am in this summer remote learning. And I know the kids don't want to be in front of the screen. But I want to go back to that scientific process, Clyde, for all the teachers who do slideshows. There's a little shortcut. And I didn't know this until last week, that when you look up at the slideshows, there's a scientific process slideshow that has the hypothesis and has the, you know, and I looked at this mini slideshow that already had things laid out. And I went, oh my gosh, here's that inquiry-based learning. Here's that idea bombing in the scientific method. I can throw all of this in there. And I just wanna share that because as we use this digital learning, there's things out there that can help us in creative thought. And this scientific process slideshow, it's a shortcut. Go take a peek at it because I think people in tab making slideshows, they might, it might really turn them on because it's wide open. It's a discovery. Right. And it helps you set up your own slides in a discovery manner. I've got a little book that I purchased. It's called Art and Science. <laughs> and um, uh, a wonderful book and it's it's uh, but it, you know the connection is real uh, scientific thinking is artistic thinking and problem posing is not just scientific but it's artistic and um, you know back to the question what do artists do they're posing problems over they go on to solve problems right and and so uh, so having the the mental capacities to uh, pose the problem uh, I know Diane and Diane has talked about that, you know, the importance of problem, problem posing. That's the whole foundation of TAB, I believe. And, uh, you know, I grew up, my father was a chemist and a philosopher and uh, a questioner. Well, that's and where you That I would say that is a great big part of me. And to find a good question was better than the answer. You know, to have a good question was like, you hit on something. I grew up in a home that was open to many ideas in a neighborhood that was multiracial, where we were the minority. Um, my neighbors were Jamaican. I talked in a Jamaican accent till I was about five years old and my parents and my neighbors, my best friend, they all, I remember us just laughing and laughing together. And those beginning memories, those younger years of creating with great diversity of thought and people have definitely influenced me throughout my life. And I, I look at this now and whenever anyone says, am I enough of, little alarm bells go off in my head because you could take, are you tab enough out and 
And this was pointed out um, with Jessie Ruby during one of her Colorado tab coffees. Someone there said, well, you take the word tab out and you put, am I Jewish enough? Am I black enough? Am I, am I enough? You get into trouble. And again, I want everyone to just pull back and go, where am I? Like, what am I trying to say? Who do I want to be? And what do I want to share with those little beings in my classroom, you know, middle school or high school? What do I want to share with people? You are enough. I just want to give people permission to realize that they are enough and they have something to share and they just need to reflect on their process and dive into the idea that the child is the artist and that child can be your colleague. And it's a mind-blowing thing to really trust in a child. That kind of goes along with something I was reading, the gap between aspirational values and practice values in your life. But as a TAB teacher, what you aspire to do, and you have this vision in your head of what, this, what your classroom should look like. That's what you aspire right. to be. And then you have your practice, what, what you do. And um, that causes, if it's not there, that could cause your cognitive dissonance. And so we're always, as TAB teachers, we're always tweaking and we're always trying to improve. I guess this is just part of being a good teacher is you're reflective on your practice. Right. What, what, what are you doing? What's not going right? How can you fix it? And instead of looking for yourself for answers, you're looking and watching at your students work. How are they working? What is it that I can give them to help help them on theirs? Because you still want to keep the control with them and talk to them and, and figure out how are we going to move to point B from point A. Well, and you're, you're also talking a little bit, I think, about, you know, the design of your room. I consider myself, um, as a designer, uh, I do consider myself a space designer. I create the space for creativity, whether I'm working with, uh, in my own classroom, or with someone like Meow Wolf and creating their learning space. I want a space where a child can come in, move around freely, find what they need. We all want that. We're learning and sharing the best way to design our rooms with other TAB teachers. That's something we share all the time. And we tweak our space with every class. Every year, we're changing our space to meet the needs of our students. If it stays stagnant, I would say reevaluate what's going on because your students are constantly moving and need things differently. And something I, I would say is throw it out to your students. Like if you're looking at your art room and something's not working, if a behavioral issue comes up, I just wanna stop my class and say, hey, how can we make this work better? What do we need to move in the room? And I've redesigned my room in about 30 minutes with student help. All of a sudden, we have the Recycled Arts Center set up on the other side of the room because it's now away from the sinks because the people painting were having a hard time. There are things that if you open up in a real broad sense and ask for help, ask your students for help, they're going to redesign and be your collaborators once again in this process. Now, what you're talking about, Ronnie, also, I believe, is you know, TAB is a wonderful place 
for a teacher to develop a community of practice, a community of studio practice. And this is, and what you were just talking about was democratic education. You know, instead, exactly. of, the, instead of the teacher being the autocrat and coming down hard on kids, in your situation, what you just shared with us was, you know, the teacher working with the community of, of children in your room, seeking a better solution for a problem that occurs. And that is a moral, moral learning. That is a situation where community uh, is developed and shared. And, and the, the African philosophy of Ubuntu, which is uh, a term in uh, South Africa used for, you are the result of all of us. And so all of us together in, in, in a community of studio practice where uh, the expression of art ideology is the main goal. Uh, but thinking about that, uh, moral education in practice is what TAP is, because there's a, an element of respect everywhere. Uh, you think, we've been talking about science, and I know science has made great leaps and bounds since the beginning of human time, but science is not synonymous with humanitarian progress. And I'm thinking about our world today. Here in the United States, we have a plague of racism going on in our country and in other parts throughout the world. And I think about how science has been used uh, to create structural violence. And I think it exists in our schools also, structural violence. When I say that, I think about high stakes testing. And I'm just can only speak for myself on that because I have a personal uh, problem uh, with high stakes testing. And I see children who don't want to leave my classroom because they know that they're going to go into a, a testing situation that puts pressure on them and stress and stress. And uh, I know the tab classroom is a moral place, a sanctuary for the children. I'm going to agree with you, Clyde, if I could, like, I just, and sorry, I just, I just got to jump in because you're so correct. It's been so harmful, this testing with our students. And in our classrooms, we are putting that to the side. We're a respite. We're a place where they can come in and create and telling them that we trust their ideas is huge. It's a, it's a huge thing that has happened that the testing that took place, especially just, I feel like it has lessened up in New Mexico, but um, the testing that has happened in the past was actually harmful. And you could see it play out in the art room. You could see it in their work. You could see students not thinking independently, waiting for you to constantly feed them ideas rather than saying, no, your idea is wonderful. How can we explore that? You know, I don't mind being a we and a collaborator and sitting down next to a student and creating next to them and having a fun time. But I found students that couldn't play, that were so worried to do it right, that it was breaking my heart. And I think that a tab room, a tab philosophy is so nurturing is the moral it's the moral high ground it's, it's embracing mistakes and embracing imperfection 
using that as genesis for ideas. And how many times have we said to a child that, I mean, I know I've said it, if we're not making mistakes, we're not making anything. Right. You know, like we're constantly, let's make those mistakes. Let's, you know, and if we want to talk about uh, morality, I started teaching art with kindness at the forefront of my mind. I designed for children. So I knew, I, I was designing toys and product for kids. So I knew the things that they liked. They were my subject matter. And I go into the classroom and all of a sudden, here they are students, and I'm already thinking of them as colleagues because I've talked to a lot of them to design gift wrap and toys for them. And I found out that the things that I was designing, I, I just scratched the surface because the kids already knew, like they had so many ideas, it blew my mind. I can't even tell you, that first year of teaching showed me that there were other ways to teach. You know, I had people telling me to do the lesson plan this way, to do it that way. And I went in and said, no, something's wrong here. And I went to talk to my principal and said, this is not how artists work. You know, we work with wide open spaces and we work with something we love and we follow a dream and we're not all doing the, you know, the flower lesson. Um, yet, I also want to just point out that if you're doing the flower lesson, know what you're doing. Just know what you're doing at that, you know, you're probably teaching a skill and it could take about five minutes. But then we push the flower lesson to the side and we say, what do you want to do? And they want to do a lot more. And in a tab room, they're able to do a lot more. And it is kinder, it is much kinder to allow a child to explore their emotions, to explore their ideas. I just find it a lot kinder. And luckily for me, when I walked into my principal's office and said, I think we're teaching art wrong, because <laughs> I, I was like, I think we need to be doing this differently. And I didn't know about TAB back then. I just knew what it was like to be an artist. My principal leaned back in his chair, and he was a photographer, and he just laughed. And he said, Ronnie, do whatever you want. <laughs> and so I was lucky. I mean, I, I did. I taught art. I was art. My children were art. The room was art. And then I met Kathy at a state conference, and my whole life was changed. Tab just kind of, it made so much sense. The three principles made so much sense. Even though my room was not set up, maybe, you know, we all know the learner-directed classroom to look at, you know, when you want to develop this process of Tab. But even before the book, I knew in my heart a way to be. And thank goodness I found my people. I found other people that want to teach in this mind-expanding way. And being tab enough, well, I certainly was tab enough then, but I was just scratching the surface, is what I'm trying to say. I'm so much more now because I've learned so much from, from you all. You know, I've learned from you. I've learned from my students, mostly. I know what works and what doesn't. Almost within what? 10 minutes, you know when something's not working. So you change it. I think when you catch fire, you become tab enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not teaching from the seat of your pants? Well, you know what? I think I, I personally, I'm a great improv artist. That's what yeah. I do. And I think that Don't when, we all, when right? I'm, 
Yes, that's what I mean. Like when, and I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about everyone. So I should say that differently. Tab teachers are great improv artists. That's what we do best. We look at all the different pedagogies that are out there. I have learned from the Lincoln Center, the Kennedy Center, from all these different people, from scientists, and you take all those ideas and you idea bomb. You become this idea whirlwind <laughs> and just see what happens when you drop an idea. But also you better get quiet because your students have a lot of ideas. You have to be a good listener. I've been in Clark Fralick's room when his kids are coming up to him and asking him questions about their ideas. And Mr. Fralick is, he says very few things. He's mainly listening. And, you know, it's like, you know, Mr. Fralick, how do I make, how do I make green? Should I mix red and yellow? Should I mix yellow and blue? Uh, and Mr. Fralick will say, well, why don't you go experiment and find out? Figure it out. We'll figure it out. And he wouldn't, there's, it's, you know, that's a tab teacher. Uh, go, go, go experience this journey. I mean, what has been some of your great improv moments? Yeah, improv, that's everything. It's everything. It's from the moment you, you know, we write our lesson plans and I'm constantly asked, you know, people will ask me for my lesson plan. And I can write a lesson plan. You, Clark, Clyde, we can all write lesson plans. But it, they are so open. A tab lesson plan is just an idea. It's just an idea because we're going to jump off that idea. It's going to change. It's a structure for improvisation and spontaneity. Exactly. Uh, the, the lesson plan is, is helpful in that it gives us a beginning point. And, and we should know how to, um, that lesson plan, a lot of times that lesson plan is a collaboration, again, with my students, because I'm constantly brainstorming with them Wonderful. what they want to do, right? I mean, that's what we do. And you create community that way. You create trust that way. That's a huge part of a tab room. I was just going to say, you know, the thinking about the lesson plan, that's point of departure for our teacher. The teacher role that we have to provide is providing content. But also remembering in tab philosophy that kids bring their own quote unquote lesson plans. And so we honor them. You know, I, I've talked to Ian Sands about this. You know, he's got, I mean, he and Melissa write books that provide structures for tab lessons, tab lesson plans. But, you know, Ian, has, Ian will tell you that if a child is ready to commit to artistic behavior and roll with their idea, he's all, he's all there for them. And that's what they do. And they commit to their idea. And, and so Ian and Melissa are there to support them. And that's truly, that's truly honoring the child. Yes. That's really meeting, meeting your students and collaborators where they're at. When you honor someone, they, they bring forth so much more than you ever expected. Absolutely. It's a, it's a good place. I, I definitely think we're in a good place to be. And our collaborators, you know, uh, something we haven't touched on, you and Clark, I, I know, get to hash out ideas. And here in Santa Fe, I have a group of people that I've met for 13 years. And the idea, are we tab enough, always came up. 
we sat around a table and talked about our ideas, what was working, how to reach a child that is lonely, how to reach a child that is stuck, that feels, oh my gosh, I don't even allow the word stupid in my classroom. Stupid is a curse in my, in my classroom. And I had a child that that's all he would say about himself. And I wanted help and these six other teachers and collaborators could tell me how they dealt with a child that didn't feel good enough or, or had, a, had good ideas. This is being tab enough. When we reach in and want to reach our students and want to help them and honor them and what, raise them up, that's enough. What a wonderful resource the Santa Fe group is, particularly when you think about that sad story about the children who come to school you know, they come into the, the art room to see Mrs. Rohr and they're, they express, talk about self-expression, when the child is saying, I'm stupid, what in the world happened to this child that they would be in school saying, what's, what's causing him to say, I'm stupid? That is horrifying. But I, I, wanted to, I wanted to go back to the point, you know, Clark and I have been collaborating for some time now since uh, Richard Nixon was in office, we've been collaborating. But the Santa Fe collaboration group, that's with Mary Olson. Shout out to Mary. Oh my gosh, shout out to Mary. Stephanie Morris and a shout out to Katie Heese and a shout out to Amy Birkin. You know, we all met you, Clyde, when we uh, went to Colorado. And I mean, seriously, it was love at first sight. You know, you find people that, that you can share these ideas with and, and you're finding new ways to um, create. I've learned so much through TAB and my TAB group have been my, my best professional development. And that's something, again, that if, if you're alone out there, reach out on Facebook, look at the TAB website give one of us, you know, send one of us an email. You know, really we're people <laughs> and we answer. We answer our emails, we say hello, because we know that this is our community. This is co a collaborative way of working. Community is so important. It's that community is critical to uh, the best learning experiences. Absolutely. Community, communities of practice. That's what the big tab family is a big mega family. I remember when it was seven. <laughs> is, that when oh Richard, gosh. is that when Richard Nixon was president? <laughs> no, I think Bill Clinton was president. It's fascinating. It really is fascinating to see how TAB has grown and the way it has grown and the word of mouth and the just talking to people, looking back now at my TAB group, and meeting Kathy and inviting her. I, I had invited Kathy out to be our one of our first keynotes for the New Mexico Art Education Association. And she came out and she spoke. She was on the bill with Judy Chicago. <laughs> and it was marvelous to uh, be able to invite Kathy out to speak. And it was just the beginning. You know, we have so many more teachers now and in New Mexico who are interested in TAB because of our little Santa Fe TAB group doing professional development at the New Mexico Art Ed Association. It's been a wonderful thing to see how we've all grown as teachers, my little group and now my little group is, you know, it's everyone. 
just wanting to find out what is this? Maybe I want to try this. Maybe I want a little more choice in my classroom. What is this tab thing? And it's and it's nice to be able to share. I think it's it's uh, the attraction to me for tab is it's better to work from strengths and assets than it is to work from deficits. And well, and work working from children's strengths is the best, always the best. Well, guys, we need to uh, wrap this up. Oh no! <laughs> I know it's almost dinner time. Well, thank you guys for having me. This was so beautiful. I want to thank Ronnie for sharing her time with us today because it's it's always good to get different perspectives to reach outside Clyde and my bubble. You know, when we talk off camera, I think we laugh a little bit more and I think we, we might laugh a little. We're overlapping one another. We've been really polite here yes, and not, we have, but, not jumped you know. in. But so. this, this was a lot of fun. I think it would be a lot of fun. Now I want to do it again because I think I'd do it better. But this was, this was a lot of fun. I, have, we answered, have we answered the question or do they just keep on going? It you know, just, you, yeah. can't get, you can't get the answers from just visiting one tab classroom. You have to go visit a whole bunch of people. You have to play with your students. You have to, you have to delve in. You just yeah. got to dive. It's yeah, it's it's just keep swimming. Keep I'll, do the, I'll do the backstroke. <laughs> it's a, a deep dive, a big ocean. Every day you're swimming. Ronnie, it's been our pleasure, our honor to have you on Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast. Clark and I have enjoyed this and we have learned a great deal uh, having this conversation about your important contributions to the TAM family and the wonderful work that is taking place in New Mexico and out west. And um, we're just honored to have you on the show. Well, thank you, Clyde, and thank you, Clark. It means a great deal to me to be here and to be able to help in any small way teachers who have questions about what they're doing and uh, the path they're on. We're all on this continuum and we're worthy. You're here. Your students are going to be so happy you're taking this trip with us. Thank you. Couldn't have said it better myself. Do you want to say goodbye? Bye, everybody. See you later. Have a great summer. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. When life gets you down, you know what you gotta do? I don't wanna know what you gotta do. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. You gotta let it go.